So I got into a, a new TV show this week, Christian. Have okay. you ever watched Superstore before? I have not. I've seen it mm. uh, advertised and, you know, on the queue, um, but I've never actually watched it. How is it? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely one of those shows that Netflix just pushes at you hard, you know? I mean, we've watched, we've seen like those dozens of shows that Netflix just has a has something for in that month. It's like the only thing they're going to show you. Do you want to watch Superstore? Do you, you really want to watch Superstore? Are you sure you haven't sure. watched Superstore? I'm pretty <laughs> sure that you want to watch Superstore. Oh, I'll turn Superstore on for you? Okay. <laughs> so like so many other shows, I feel like I almost intentionally avoided it for that reason. Yeah, just out of spite. You're like, nah, you ain't going to get me Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm searching for it or nothing, Netflix. I can't be bought. Well, Netflix bought me, for sure. They they convinced me 100%. Sell out. And I started watching it. And it's, I, I mean, Christian, a hun- I... I I feel very comfortable saying this, knowing that the very first thing that you and I ever bonded over was a mutual love for a sitcom. I can say with confidence and gusto that you will love this show. Okay. All right. Sure. And I say that, I mean, I'm, I'm only two seasons in. So if someone's on season six and it's like, wow, it gets really racist or something like that, I don't know that yet. So all I can say is two seasons in, it's really, really great. And, and it's wonderful. not racist two seasons in? Not even at all. Okay, not, all right. not a tiny bit. Okay. It's uh, really, really great. I would say it's a, a combination of um, The Office, Parks and Rec, Community, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's like a, a nice weaving of those four. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. I know. Um, all right. One of okay. The, uh, Noted. One of the lead actors is from uh, my hometown. And obviously is Canadian, therefore. So I have an extra soft spot. Christian, have you ever noticed since you moved to the United States, this obsession that we as Canadians have with pointing out that someone's Canadian? Um, Not only do I know all about it, but my wife frequently yells at me about it. Because anytime somebody (laughs) famous comes on, I'll definitely just be like, Canadian. And she (laughs) hates it all the time. And so not only do I know all about it, I am that person that does it. My coworkers hate it when I do it because they're like, oh, isn't this person Canadian? I'm like, damn right. Uh, so, um, yes, I understand that obsession because it, it is literally in my blood. Um, I do it yeah. all the time. It's such an interesting thing. I mean, I could get I could get caught up on talking about this forever. But when I when I moved to the States, I am. Um, you know, there were two things that I noticed that made that made Canada, Canadians, I guess, a tiny, tiny bit different from Americans. One is that we do say a boot. It's not like a boot, but it's it's not about either. You know, there's it's a, noticeable. There's a you in mm-hmm. there. And the second is the talking about Canada part. <laughs> and I feel like it's it comes out of it because Canadians just we blend in so seamlessly to America, you know? It's like where we're water into water. You just uh you, you don't you don't see us. So when a Canadian has to point it out, it's Well, and there's just I mean, there's what? Out. There's like 350 million Americans and only 35 million Canadians. So I mean, like if there's a famous person from North America, yeah, typically they're going to be American. Um yeah. just by sheer numbers. And so especially yeah, when you think about um, just famous people that when they're just like, yeah, they're killing it, and they're from Canada. Yeah, I'm gonna point it out. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. the North, true North, strong. That's right. <laughs> 
All right. So, well, let's get this Ryan Reynolds podcast. <coughs> sorry, Ryan Gosling. Oh, sorry. Po- oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, Celine Dion. Po- oh, sorry. Uh, shall we get this podcast started, Christian? Yeah, hold on. I'm just watching uh, Shit's Creek here. Hold on. Uh, Eugene <laughs> Levy, Dan Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Andy Murphy, Chris Elliott. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, All right. Let's roll. Oh, sorry. With this. Okay. All right. Never mind. All right. Let's load it up. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us, uh, spending another week with us here at the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris. This is Christian. We are dads in training, and we are here to talk to you uh, as best as we can about this journey of fatherhood and all the things around it. As always, I'd like to give some thanks to all the people that allow this to happen. We usually leave them last, but I'm going to say them first this time for balance, our wonderful wives for allowing us to do this. Our incredible producer, Ryan, who did a little bit of overtime work for us this week, getting some things ready. We really appreciate it, Ryan. Michael Spicer, that awesome intro music that you heard, Michael Spicer Music, and Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist for our awesome logo, which I just saw for the first time. And thank you so much, Vishal. It's incredible. Really, really great work. So I'd like to extend all those thanks. And of course, our families, daughters, and my best friend here, Christian. How are you doing, Christian? I'm pretty good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I need to say uh, right off the top, um, I I realized that I was doing that like extra kind of just like Canada flex in the in the intro. I don't actually know that Chris Elliott is Canadian. He's the one guy in Schitt's Creek that I'm just like, I think he's the American of the bunch. Um, So I'll look it up later. Um, But I kind of just got really excited knowing that I was rifling through all the Schitt's Creek characters because they're all Canadian. Um, that was kind of part of the, you know, Eugene and Dan Levy's like point of the show was to have it. Um, did not know Catherine O'Hara was Canadian until I watched that show, though. Mm, um, I'm totally with was, you. Did not know that either. But I don't actually know that Chris Elliott is Canadian. Um, if he is, um, then yep, knew it all along, no doubt. Um, <laughs> if, if he isn't, then uh, then my bad on that one. But anyway. Mm. Well, I don't know how we functioned before Wikipedia, Christian, but um, Wikipedia has just told me that he is from the Upper East Side, New York, New York. Okay, there you go. Well, awesome. yeah, they can't all drink maple syrup. In the That's world, right. They alas. can't all be awesome, but he you're, is awesome. You're one of us knows. now, Chris. We, you're, you're, you're an honorary one. Honorary, so absolutely. Yeah. He's the Great mayor name of the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we have another good episode, uh, this week. We've, uh, hopefully we're gonna, we're gonna try to keep things as efficient and succinct this week, which I in particular have been poor at in the previous week. So we're going to dive right in to, uh, our first topic. So Christian, I know I didn't, um, you know, we're once again, as, as with many of our other topics, I'll be sort of diving in and getting right into the questions, uh, something that you haven't had a lot of a lot of time to kind of prepare for. So these questions are very much off the cuff and things that I myself am really looking forward to hearing because they're things that you and I haven't necessarily talked about with without microphones present. So, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, of course, my wife and I uh, are talking about now, you know, our daughter is uh, uh, getting on towards three months. And of course, the question becomes, when when is the right time um, for families who are wishing to have more than one child, when is the right time to to try again? To to what's the what's the best 
uh, gap? Is there a good gap? Should you plan for that? And that got me thinking about something a little bit more basic, which is I actually don't know much about it, you, my best friend, how many kids that you and your partner have planned to have and how long did you talk about that for? And is that something that you're still talking about? So I'm going to start out with a very simple, basic question. If you can kind of rewind yourself nearly 10 years ago when we met our wives, which is crazy to think, um, how soon into the relationship do you feel that you and your then-girlfriend, now wife, started to talk about families and started to talk about the idea of whether that was something that you both wanted or not. How soon into it did you dive into the into the kid discussion? Yeah, that's a really good question for which I don't have an exact answer, um, meaning that I don't remember specifically when it came up necessarily, but um, as you mentioned, we we met our then girlfriends, now wives, um, you know, in our first year of veterinary college, um, I started dating my then girlfriend, now wife, um, you know, in our first year, um, you know, so we certainly didn't talk about it then. Um, but I think it was probably more towards the end when we were approaching graduation, um, perhaps, because I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, you date while you're in school, but then when you graduate and you go off to be an adult, it's like, okay, so we're obviously going to stay together. So we kind of need to planned this a little bit. And at the time, um, we lived in different countries. I mean, my wife was, um, you know, at the vet school, which was in Canada. So she was technically living in Canada, kind of, you know, on a student visa, that type of thing. But she was obviously going home to her hometown. Um, and then there was that kind of like discussion about, okay, where are we going to get jobs? Like, you know, that type of thing. Um, so I think the kind of future talk in that standpoint probably came you know, approaching our final year of vet school, you know, probably in that standpoint, just a little, mm. maybe more in like general terms, just to be like, Hey, we're on the same page. Right. It wasn't like, okay, deal breaker two or three kids. Like, I don't think, you know, it wasn't right. anything like that, but, um, so I think, in may that I ask you, yeah, may I ask you there, you know, do you think that if, if you had been on different pages, let's not, let's say not so much about having two versus three kids, but about having children at all, do you think that would have been a deal breaker for you if you didn't have the opportunity to be a dad, if your partner did not want children? Is that something that, I, I mean, you know, who knows in hindsight, but do you see that as something that would be a major, um, a major obstacle for you? Yeah, that's really tough. Um, because you're right, in hindsight, I mean, heck, I've got the most beautiful baby girl um, now that I couldn't imagine my life without. So knowing what I know now, yeah, it sounds like a simple question. I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Deal breaker. I mean, you kidding me? She's wonderful at the time though. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I do know that a, um, a, a previous girlfriend in a different time, um, you know, she absolutely did not want children. And I remember internally struggling with that. So, I feel like I would have always wanted to have kids regardless. Um, but I mean, that's, I mean, again, that's a completely different person in a completely different stage of life. Would it have been an absolute deal breaker? Yeah. I mean, impossible to say, um, you know, cause there's, there's certain things that are absolute deal breakers in relationships, but, um, 
yeah, I guess uh, my my way to dance around that answer is I guess I'm glad I never had to make that choice. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, I mean, again, it is it's, a, it's, it's hard knowing what I know now. I mean, like you mentioned with your daughter, I mean, could you imagine not having her? Right. It sounds like yeah. an atrocious question. Um, but um, but yeah, at the time when I was just like graduating vet school, you know, just about to start into a career, um, you know, if 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 my wife or then girlfriend was just like, yeah, I don't know if I want to have kids. I probably would have stuck it out until I, you know, really came to a decision. Um, yeah, but, uh, it, it's a very I don't tough. Uh, it's a very tough spot to be in, and I think one of the things that it maybe speaks to, and something that I think is maybe even a bigger topic for a totally different episode, is the idea that, you know, we're so young. Sometimes we're we're young now, relatively speaking, but we were especially young when we met our wives. Our you know, our perspective as humans changes significantly over time. I've lived a third of my life with my now wife, you know? And so did I think now the same way I did when I was 25? And did I think the same as I did when I was 21? You know, do, would my perspective as a 21 year old have been been different now? Because I look back on it for myself now and I think, yeah, absolutely. That, that would have been a major deal breaker for me. Yeah. But Chris, remember like when we were 25, we were like eating Cheerios on Saturdays and following (laughs) the show. Like, I mean, I wasn't a father then. No, I mean, no, I mean, we were adults by the like chronological, like age (laughs) at which the law considers you an adult. But I mean, in only that way were we adults at that point. Right. So, I mean, yeah, they let and, me vote for some ridiculous reason. I and it's know. crazy that that was like, when you think about it, not all that long ago, like when you just think about, like when you hear about somebody that's like, whatever, you know, 25 versus 29 or whatever, you're like, no, that's not really that different. A whole lot of life happens in that time frame, um, right. which is fairly crazy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of speaking of, you know, the things that you put behind you in your life as you as you grow, um, you know, uh, becoming a homeowner, which you are, I'm still not a homeowner, um, being married, you know, all these other stages that I think to us in our lives and maybe just because of the way our parents did it, that's kind of the natural sequence of things. You know, you get married first and then you own a home and then sometimes the other way around. And then and then after that, you have kids. So I guess my question for you is, did you and your partner, who are quite similar in age, um, not identical, but quite close, um, did you always have a plan together um, in terms of how many kids you wanted and when you wanted to have your first child? Or is it something that sort of progressed and evolved naturally? Or do you think it was something that in the back of your minds, you always kind of knew what was going to happen in the timing and the order of things? Um, I don't really think we had an actual kind of thought out plan, kind of just like, you know, okay, in two years, we'll do this. And then in the year after, we'll do this. Like it was, it was nothing like that. Um, I think kind of our original, our original plan, excuse me, was a little bit predicated just on the fact that um, by me moving to the United States, there were kind of immigration um not complications, Mm -hmm. hurdles, I guess, you know, stepping stones that we had to go through, you know, in order to do those types of things. So originally when I moved to the United States, I was on a work visa. Um, And then I always thought that was related to your history as a, as a heroin dealer. Oh, it was just from regular standard immigration. Oh, I apologize. That's my misunderstanding. It was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was only because of my um, process of being a mule that I, I mean, um, no, um, but it was, it was because 
so long story short, work visa, which then turned into um, a green card um, and permanent residency, um, you know, the, the marriage aspect of it was, um, and by that point, I mean, we had already been together for almost five years. So it wasn't like, you know, we met, I moved to a different country and we got married. Like it wasn't a 90 day fiance or anything like that. Um, but, <laughs> um, so I think we kind of went with the, um, home ownership and marriage thing first. So we bought a house together, um, before we got married and, um, we did that. And then, um, so that was shortly after I moved to the United States. Um, and then once we kind of got that settled, um, you know, then I, I proposed and then we got married the following year. Um, and I think all of that type of stuff, again, not that it was driven by the immigration process, but I think to, uh, answer your question in a very roundabout way, the idea of children, while we knew it was going to happen, I think took a little bit of a backseat just because there were a couple of T's we needed to cross and I's we needed to dot in that standpoint before I think either of us kind of intrinsically felt comfortable having a child. Um, mm. Just more so to mean that we were kind of settled in that type of way, just because we didn't want to necessarily, you know, start to have a family, but then realize like, I'm, I'm just making up an example, you know, that all of a sudden like, oh, my green card got denied and now I have to go back to Canada or something like that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it was one of those where we didn't necessarily want to have to deal with any of that. So right. making sure that we were kind of settled, I think in that way, um, was, was important to us. Um, and also over the first kind of year or so of us owning our house, um, we did a whole lot of work to it as well. Um, so we did a whole lot of renovations and things like that. Uh, we bought ourselves a fixer upper. She's an old gal, but, uh, she, um, <laughs> but, uh, she looks great. She does well. So, um, so I think there was just yeah. some other kind of things that life in those ways just kind of happened that mm. once we were kind of married, um, and then, um, you know, when that type of thing and got settled a little bit that way, then I think we actually started consciously deciding, okay, you know, now that we are married, we have this house, that type of thing. Um, you know, we should kind of start thinking a little more, um, intentionally about, um, about building a family. It's, it's an interesting, um, interesting answer. I, um, I, I'll be honest. I never really thought about, about one particular aspect to what you said before. I think so many of the things you mentioned are, even though we're not thinking about it subconsciously to, to a lot of us sort of pre prerequisites almost to having a child that you want to be with a partner that, you know, you you feel like you at this point, as far as you know, will want to spend every minute of the rest of your life with that and thus want to be married. Um, and, you know, again, I'll reiterate, I do not own my home, but certainly the idea of, you know, having a place where you're settled, having a place where you feel you can start raising your child, where you yeah, can a look Yeah, a stable space. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, and let me just say briefly to anyone listening who says, you know, why does it have to be that way? It doesn't, you know, it, everything's right for everybody individually. Um, you know, and I, I was, uh, you know, my, my own family situation was very, uh, atypical growing up. So we very much support any family life, but I think in Absolutely. the back of our minds for a lot of us, you know, this is sort of what's at least what's going through our mind as we think about some of these steps. Um, but I never really thought in all honesty, um, it never occurred to me that the immigration issue for you would have been a component to it. But of course it would have been, because when we're talking about a stable and settled life, I mean, when you're still, I've been on that temporary visa before. I mean, when you're in that place where you don't know if at the end of the year you're going to be allowed back in or you have to go home, um, it can make for a very uh, difficult unknown. And of course, that was all 
pre-pandemic, um, which would just complicate things even further. Um, but yeah, I can I can see that being a, a major hurdle. And so I guess for you, that was sort of one of the things that you needed to settle before you could sort of start this next chapter of your life. And in many ways, I don't know how you feel, Christian, but I, I very much feel like that is what, that is how I am experiencing fatherhood, that I feel like my life has been a series of chapters, maybe three, four, five chapters, and this is sort of the next chapter. And it feels like when you start a chapter, it has to come with sort of that new experience, like owning a home, being married, something like that. So now that we're talking about that next chapter, um, the question I have for you, and this is a million dollar question that I, I, I think is like the biggest question that I, I don't know the answer to. Um, have you and your wife talked about having a second child? Um, you know, you have a sibling, your partner does not have a sibling. Um, have you thought about how large you want your family to become? And do you think you and your wife have the same or different perspectives on that? Um, well, I do want my family to become large because then if they're all like six, four, they can get basketball scholarship. <laughs> um, and then I don't have to pay for college. So I would like them to be large. Um, uh, no, um, hey -oh. Hey -oh. uh, D one schools hit me up. Um, but I don't, I, I know that my wife does want multiple children. Um, my joke to her was always, let's start with one. <laughs> right. You know, right. because um, a nice big family sounds great until you've got like four or five of them screaming at you at once. Um, and, you know, that type of thing. Um, our really close friend here um, in Western New York, um, my wife's best friend, has five kids. Um, and the final two were twins. Wow. And um, uh, she is a rock star. Um, for, yeah, for pulling amazing. that entire family off. Um, it stresses me out even just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> and she does a wonderful job with all of them. So I feel personally, I mean, I grew up as a family of four. So like you mentioned, I had a sibling. Um, so I guess intrinsically that to me makes the most sense. Um, but I always joked with my wife. I was like, let's start with one. Let's see if we like it, you know, like right. in terms of, in terms of that type of thing. Um, you know, uh, we have definitely had discussions about having another, um, you know, with any definite timeline, you know, coming up. I don't think so. Um, but uh, we have we have definitely talked about it. Um, and so now I think I've kind of just adapted the joke to be like, all right, let's see how two goes. <laughs> right. you know and then go right. from there um you Just know that type of thing so because um i i will um probably anger a lot of people by saying this um but my daughter from the get-go has been an excellent sleeper um has <laughs> really um a, as much as a new dad you know yes there's struggles and you know all that type of thing but i mean for the most part especially from a sleep perspective she has been awesome um and i know that's rarely the case um and so in my mind i'm just like this is a fooler baby you know so like in my <laughs> mind i'm just like no let's stop now because number two is going to be a demon spawn and i know right. it. um law right. of averages right it's going to bottom out at some point this so. is the casino getting you in the front door they yeah. give it you know this is the beginner's luck and they're like oh you. man yeah. you're so good at this bet more money yeah ex this is exactly right wow, yeah incredible this triplets this is um this is um atlanta being up 28 to 3 in the super bowl 
Um, and my next kids is going to be oh. Tom Brady just coming back, and, you know, and, and I'm going to see it coming and there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about it until he's lifting the Lombardi. Um, so, um, so, so is yeah. it fair to say then, do you think that your perspective didn't change after having your daughter that, you know, you, you and your wife were both always open to having another, and it was something that you always thought about and talked about, but you know, we're going to, we're going to take it one step at a time. And it would be fair to say that your perspective is still the same, that you're still, it hasn't swayed you to have the, the perspective of now being a father hasn't swayed you to have either a larger family or to, to stop here and say, no, this has been hard enough. You've sort of said, okay, this is what we expected. And, and you're, you're ready to, to, to continue to grow if your wife feels the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that anything's realistically changed, um, in terms of our thought process, um, in terms of that. Um, we also always joke here uh, with my wife and I that, um, so we're avid, uh, Disney fans. Um, so we love to go to Disney world and that type of thing. So I always joke that like the family of four, cause you know, most rides are like a group of four that you go on together, you know, that we were just like, perfect. <laughs> right. like, there it is like a ride of four. There we go. Splash mountain. Let's do it. Um, in Disney so. world, you really don't want to be getting into that group of four and you're the three and like just one poor sad person from another group is like, can I, I guess we'll have to be a group i'm i'm part of a group of five so i have to get i have to i have to yeah get we want a car to ourselves guys. yeah we want a car to ourselves so um so we'll do that but um chris i'm actually if, if i may i'm actually kind of interested to hear your thoughts on that in terms of how mm. you guys kind of decided about family planning specifically as as it relates to um you know, having a child, because I know you, um, while you and I have had similar kind of um, maybe journeys in terms of, uh, you know, becoming doctors and things like that, you also did a residency. So you had that added mm -hmm. level of not only separation from your wife, because you were in the States for a period of time, but, um, but then also, uh, you know, going through that extra schooling prior to kind of starting your quote unquote, full time career, if I can call it right. that. So did that have any impact? Or how did that kind of affect mm. you? Boy, that really is an incredible question. And I'm I'm going to cop out a tiny, tiny little bit and say that I'm going to reserve a little bit of the residency discussion for another day because it, it I'll say briefly that it, I think it really did change my perspective a lot. Um, coming out of vet school, uh, starting my internship throughout my internship, which is um, uh, just for listeners who don't don't know, it's um, you know uh, where you start as a veterinarian working in an emergency room in a specialty hospital. So you work quite long hours, often six or seven days a week. Um, and the reason I say that is that at that point in your life, you're extremely career focused. Um, everything that you're doing, it like when you daydream, you're daydreaming about what do you want your career to be ten years from now? What do you want your career to be twenty years from now? Um, and I would say that the process of the residency. Um, some, of, some of it ups and downs, but mostly just seeing my colleagues, seeing the faculty members, seeing senior clinicians, and seeing some of the challenges that they faced in their own personal and family lives, I, I think started uh, an ember in me that just grew and grew into a bigger flame throughout my residency of prioritizing family much more than career. And I think in many ways, again, a topic for another day, that has my, my mentality has completely shifted. I'm, I'm very hmm. glad I did my residency. I'm so uh, glad of what it allows me to do now, um, something that I enjoy. Um, but 
uh, I certainly do not think about my career in the same way. And I think about my family a lot more. I now think about where do I want my family to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, rather than my career 10 years from now and 20 years from now. So I would say, to answer your question about the residency, I would say that's probably how it changed my perspective on that the most. Um, about family planning, though, I think for the most part, I think uh, my wife and I have always been very much on the same page in that regard. And that very early on, um, I think as it became clear that we were becoming serious and spending more and more time together and could see each other, you know, first you imagine yourself together six months from now and then a year from now and then two years from now. And as we saw farther and farther into the future, we started to talk about um, what it would be like to, you know, start our lives together. And I think from from the beginning, we were both on the same page about wanting to, to start a family. So I don't think that was ever really a discussion. Certainly the number, the number has always been a discussion. And I think, I mean, there are probably so many factors that go into it. One of which, of course, is that quite frankly, and I say this with all respect to my fellow fathers and recognizing that we run a fatherhood podcast, um, that we have it a little bit easier than our wives do, quite frankly, who have much more physical hardships, mental, emotional hardships, exhaustion um, more than we do. And so I'm, you know, I can sit here and say, until I'm blue in the face, how many children I want. But in the end, it's really, it's, it's her decision. That's not my decision. You know, it's a, it's a joint decision, but you know, let's say she has the veto on that <laughs> and as it should be right, as it rightly should be. And, um, so we've, we are both only children, my, my wife and I, um, and I, it's hard to know exactly why, but I, I do often wonder if the fact that we grew up in atypical households um, as only children without siblings, perhaps in some way made us both long for the idea of being, you know, a nuclear family with a slightly larger number of children and having that busy dining room table. And um, I, I don't know why, you know, but I do know that that's something that we've both sort of always wanted. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, we're only two months into number one. Um, but, you know, we're certainly uh, at, at this point in our lives, you know, kind of looking forward or planning ahead to the second and third and, and maybe even fourth, you know, who knows. Um, but that's sort of where our minds are Yeah, first are things first, you know, enjoy, enjoy the <laughs> yeah, little one, yeah. you know, while exactly. she's little. Yeah, exactly. And as having started the process, you know, has my perspective changed on it? I wouldn't say so. Other than, yeah, it's it's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work. And committing to four is a very nice idea when you when you start. Um, but then, you know, you start to translate that into actual work as you go. You know, your your mind kind of translates an idea into, okay, well, just so you know, this is how much of your life it's going to take up, you know. And basically for the next 10 years of your life, you'll still be dealing with quite young, young children. Um, and, and so I think it's something that's brought us maybe a little bit of pause in our minds, just that that's something that we need to consider before moving forward. Um, but I, I think I've been very grateful um, that that she and I have been uh, so close on, on this issue from day one. You and I, of course, <clears throat> I won't mention their names, but both know uh, very, very close friends of both of ours, a couple from our class, um, who... Uh, uh, now are also married with a, a child, um, very, very close friends of ours. And I know that for them, that they were very much on opposite ends of the page uh, throughout a lot of their mm. relationship about having 
a large family or a smaller family. And it's something that I think evolves with time. And the more information you get, uh, it, the more the more attached to your partner you feel, the more um, your perspective on the world grows and changes with time. I think I think that your ideas that you start with, let's have a, let's have this many children, say, uh, can change a lot with time. Um, and so I'm always I'm always interested to hear how that perspective changes. It sounds like for you and I, it largely hasn't yet. I mean, we're still pretty early in this, but right. that largely what we thought going into it is sort of the same as where we are now. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested to see how it evolves. So I think that's uh, that's sort of where uh, where we might see our future. As but, I uh, said, I the, as I said for the beginning, I didn't mean to interrupt there. It's just like I think it's a solid thing, and I'll continue. I'll continue to say it. Just start with one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great, right? great I advice. Mean, uh, start with one. Um, that is our take home message today from the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We're going to take a, a little break, and we're going to come back with one other topic. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Chris. This is Christian, and we are Dad Joke Loading. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. My name is Christian alongside my best friend and co-host, Chris. Uh, we thanks, thank you for sticking with us, coming back for our next topic here. Uh, but before we get into the more, um, if I can call it serious discussion, um, maybe more intel. Well, I don't even know if I can call it intelligent discussion. Well, whatever. Before we get into our next discussion, we're going to do um, another quick retur- uh, recurring segment. And this is the Dad Joke of the Week. Now, Chris, you have your choice of dad joke this week. Um, And so I'll just give you some um, generic uh, topics um, or uh, genres of joke. um, And then I will (laughs) wow you with a terrible one from said genre. Okay, so if you had to choose between a movie joke, a pirate joke or uh no i'm going to give you two categories then so i'm going to go with movie joke or pirate joke which Mm. would you prefer not a pirates of the caribbean joke okay okay um let's go movie joke all right okay so are you ready yep okay for the dad joke of the week what's et short for i don't know christian what's et short for because he's got little legs (laughs) i don't know what to do it makes me laugh it makes me laugh i don't know i don't i is this what happens when you become a father that this i Uh, i I find that funny (laughs) um for 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 what it's worth the pirate joke was what does a pirate say on his 80th birthday Hmm. i matey I don't know which one's better because my <laughs> cheeks literally hurt right now. The The delivery works really well on that second one. The f- I think the first one is the truest dad joke. You it know, is that the first joke one is because the, you have no idea what's coming and everyone's just like, E.T. What do you mean? Like, what is E.T.? So I'm just like, extra. Like, no, he's got little legs. <laughs> oh, man. This is where I'm excited like, for my life as a dad, Christian. You know, like I don't. I got I'm sit I got my sweatpants on. I got a little whiskey here. I'm talking to my best friend, and I'm laughing at a terrible joke. Rocking this, this a father. fantastic goatee, might I add. Mm, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Get a little trim today. 
at, at what point is something, you know, a stylish goatee and what is a lazy lockdown beard? Where do we draw the line between those? How confidently you rock it. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, today's a goatee then because, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going all into it today. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, and uh, without further ado, uh, awkward transition into our next topic. Um, and uh, as you guys know, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know, we typically have a couple of topics of conversation we go into. Um, and normally the segue between them is a little smoother than that. Um, but, uh, the, what the topic that I wanted to bring to the discussion today, um, which is actually kind of related in part, perhaps to the first topic of conversation, which was unintentional. Um, we kind of pick our topics almost individually. Um, so it's just kind of funny that it worked out this way, but I really wanted to talk today, um, and get your opinions and thoughts actually on uh, maternity leave. Um, and while I realize this, this is a dad joke loading podcast, and yes, fatherhood is, um, you know, the main kind of um, crux under which we, uh, you know, under which we operate. Um, I think it's a really interesting topic to um, to dive into. And the main reason why I, I wanted to do that today is because um, we live in two different countries whom treat who treat this very differently and um i grew up in canada and moved to the united states so in my mind i was always going to have a family under what i will call the canadian system um and then moved to america um and now i don't really have any idea in the in the truest form in the minutiae what the canadian system is actually all about and um have now had to completely adapt to a completely different way of thinking um while having a family so um and how that relates to you know our jobs and maybe you know our our stages of life kind of you mentioned chris earlier in terms of you know like what has affected your specific kind of maybe decision making process or thought process or perspective you know on starting a family um but the maternity leave can play a big part on that so uh chris if i may if i could just get you to start us off here um could you then maybe just describe for the audience, um, because we are going to have some uh, Canadian listeners as well as some American listeners who might have some, you know, vague idea on what the other one might go through. Um, but could you maybe just describe, at least from your perspective um, and your kind of position with your wife and now your daughter, um, what that particular maternity leave looks like? Um, and yeah, why don't we just start there in terms of kind of the yeah. nuts and bolts of it? Well, uh, yeah, I, you know, very much like you said, if you had asked me this question um, six months ago, maybe not six months ago, a year ago, I would not have been able to answer the question. I don't think I really would have had any anything close to the right answer either. It would have been a fairly random stab in the dark. I think maternity benefits, I mean, you know, we're not a political podcast. We won't dive into the, the politics behind this. But certainly, I think maternity uh, benefits are one of those things that you don't necessarily devote a lot of your brain space to until you become a parent. And then, of course, it's a very huge issue. So it's something that, um, you know, I've grown to learn about more and appreciate more every day. I'm uh, extremely grateful um, for what we have here in this country. I think um, it would be remiss of me to say that I um, don't feel thankful and, and lucky for where I am in the world uh, that allows us to have what we have. 
Um, so I'll just dive into what the definitions are and sort of what, what they mean. So maternity leave, the definition under the eyes of the government here in Canada, the term that you'll hear used here is parental benefits. So maternity leave and parental benefits for the purposes of what we're talking about are the same thing. And it's the idea of parents taking care of uh, their, their child. This is separate from maternity benefits. So a mother of any kind, whether they are raising a child or not, and so this would include, for example, a surrogate mother, is allowed 15 weeks of maternity benefits. So those 15 weeks, and keep that number in the back of your mind, is not, uh, cannot be taken by a father, for example, uh, and can be taken by a mother regardless of whether they continue to raise that child or not. So if you give birth, you're, you're a, a you know, biologically female and you give birth, you are allowed 15 weeks of maternity benefits. This is different from parental benefits, which are then added on to maternity benefits and are 35 weeks. And so those 35 weeks can be taken by the mother, the father, or both, but up to a total of 35. So I couldn't take 35 and my wife takes 35. My wife could take 25 and then I take 10 and that would be our combined parental benefit. In our case, and I'll get into why this is, she's taking all 35 of those weeks and I'm not taking any leave. Again, I'll get into why that is in a moment. Um, so she's taking 35 weeks. Those 35 weeks are paid at about 50%, about half of your, um, uh, what they call insurable income. So basically your paycheck. You, you basically t keep half of your paycheck. The government will pay you half of your paycheck. I think it's technically 55%. Um, or you can stretch that 35 weeks out to a full 61 weeks. So you can double the time of parental benefits that you take, but you only get 33% of your weekly amount. So um, when you do the math, 35 weeks versus 61 weeks, 55% versus 33%, it's the same amount of money that they would be giving you in either circumstance, but you can stretch it out over longer or not. So if you add the 15 weeks to the 35 weeks, that means my wife is taking a year off, basically. So she took about a week and a half off before our daughter was born, maybe two weeks before our daughter was born. So then she'll be taking about 48 weeks or 11 months um, after she's born. We're now two and a half months into that. So she'll be going back to work in about eight and a half weeks. Um, we had to apply for it online. And then we start getting basically automatic deposits into our account of about 50% of what my wife's paycheck was before she left. So that's what, what you would call maternity benefits. And again, there's no separate thing called paternity benefits. They don't treat them differently. There's parental benefits, and you can split that up between uh, a mother and a father or two mothers, two fathers, however your family is structured, however you like. But again, that's separate from true maternity benefits, which are really designed to just be a physical recuperation time for the mother um, right after birth and right before uh, birth. So that's kind of the system that it works here. Um, and uh, and we've, been, we've been pretty happy with it. Now, I, I said I would mention why I <clears throat> did not take any paternity leave. Um, and this is a subject we can get into later. Uh, but I recently started my own company. And so when you start your own company, you don't have insurable earnings. And so uh, I don't get a paycheck that the government would pay half of. I keep all of my earnings. But moreover, it also means that I can set my own schedule. So I was able to take a couple of weeks off 
before and after our daughter was born and give me quite a lot of flexibility in that way, uh, which I know um, not everyone's able to do. So knowing that this government system is in place, we're, uh, we're quite happy with. I, don't know, I know in Canada, the big ticket item right now is what to do about early child care and early childhood benefits. Um, but my, my casual understanding is that in the United States, a lot of the talk is still about maternity and, and paternity benefits. So I'm really curious, uh, Christian, how, how things work for you and how similar or different that is. Yeah, so I was, um, that's actually really um, uh, interesting information. And, and thank you for sharing. Um, because, again, I had very little actual knowledge of what the Canadian system was. Again, because once I moved out of it, didn't really apply to me anymore. And all of a sudden, I was like, Oh, okay, now we're doing it. Now we're doing it a different way. So um, I will speak specifically um, about the uh, New York State way of things, um, which is where I live. Um, and so in, um, in rough terms for, um, so you mentioned those kind of maternity uh, benefits, um, and the maternity benefits essentially in the United States, I'm oversimplifying just for ease of conversation, um, but are six weeks for a natural birth and eight weeks for a cesarean section. So, um, so that being said, um, my daughter was born very happily and healthily, but under natural birth. So, um, so my wife was allowed six weeks of, um, of maternity benefits, um, which basically for her, um, again, a, a portion of income and then basically guaranteed job status after said time. Um, now, wow. yes. Wait, so hold on. So there's no financial payment that comes with this. This Correct. is basically just, it's six or eight weeks and you don't get fired for taking it. Is that right? Basically. Yeah. Um, and, My and, goodness. and what happens then is a lot of people do one of two things. Um, and we did both, which is, um, although it's kind of an interesting concept, but I don't really understand, um, uh, having a child, um, does qualify you for disability because you are unable to work. Um, and so um, my wife qualified for short-term disability. So after two weeks of being off work, she could apply for short-term disability. And then after her 30-day working period, her and I both have our own professional disability. Um, so right. she applied for that. So she did get other financial um, basic like, hmm. income during that time, which was, I mean, not a whole lot, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, we were very lucky in that... Um, my wife's employer um, basically just allowed her to take more time off. So they're basically like, yeah, technically you're supposed to come back after six weeks, but like, what, you want to take 12? How's that sound? And, you know, so right. she was right. um, able so she to was do fortunate that. fortunate in, in, in having a good employer. In right. That, in, that in, in that situation. But it got me thinking that I was just like, there are literally people who go back to work six weeks after having a child. I, I, Which I, I mean, boggles I don't know if my mind. Yeah. I don't know if listeners can really like pick up uh, the tone through the microphone, but like Christian, you and I knowing each other for this long, I mean, I, I mean, I'm close to speechless and I would imagine you are as well. That's insane. That's less than 20% in the shortest case scenario that, that you would be getting, um, fr from the Canadian system. That's yeah. six to eight weeks. So you, I, I, I mean, my wife would be back at work right now. Right. I don't know how that's possible. 
how is that possible? Our our daughter is still eating every four to five hours. Uh, like, I don't understand how you could, how that would be humanly possible. So by, uh, again, because we are very fortunate um, in, a, in a multitude of accents, aspects. Um, but the most important of which is that not only does my wife have a, an excellent employer, um, but she also works very close to home. Um, so being able to do things like, um, you know, pump while she's at work and, you know, come home on her lunch hour to breastfeed and, you know, things of that nature, um, are, um, you know, she was able to do, I'm not going to say with relative ease, because that makes it sound like it's just like, you know, another add to thing on your schedule. No, it's really freaking difficult. Um, right. And um, I will sing my wife's praises until the end of time. Um, not because I'm not yeah, sure if too. she can hear me or not. Um, but um, because it's just yeah, it's unfathomable. Um, but anyway, um, we are at least a little bit luckier here in New York State, that they have now instituted something that is called paid family leave. And so what that means is that um, when my daughter was born and she's approaching two years of year, uh, two years of age at a shocking rate, which is even weird to say out loud, but when she was born, um, it was a um, basically added uh, family benefit that you could use in a multitude of ways. Uh, one of which was for the birth of a child. Another of which was for um, taking care of a sick family member. Um, it even included things like if you were to adopt a child. So to have, take time off work to bond with said child, even if it was not your biological child. So there are some different ones like that. Um, and what it was you apply. And similarly to like you mentioned for your um, family benefit or parental benefit. And it was essentially at the time, I believe it was 10 weeks. I think now it's up to 12 weeks. Um, and it was the same thing. It was basically 10 weeks um, that you did not have to take consecutively. So you could take them at any point in your child's first year of life um, in our case. Um, and it was at 55% of your insurable salary. So, mm. so um, it's similar to Canada. Then correct. In that, in that way. But the difference is that both of us could take it individually, um, mm. meaning that because we now if we were to work at the same employer, we would have to share. But because we worked at different employers, we were each able to take this. Um, and so um, now our situation is a little bit more complicated just the way that our contracts work at the time. So for sake of the argument, we'll just, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, but the way that we did it was, and I'll speak for me specifically is I had these 10 weeks that I could use over the first year. And so what we decided to do was, is I took several weeks right away when my daughter was born. And then at the end of those, uh, 10 or 12 weeks, when my wife went back to work, um, I then took four weeks right then. So it was mm -hmm. basically where I was then home. Um, so that our daughter was not, not that she was going to be alone, but um, you know what I mean? So that there was a person there. Um, and then we kind of just spaced out our vacation time and those added weeks that we had left um, over the over the first year. Um, okay. And those were not paid for by the employer, um, similar to like a like a whatever health benefit or Social Security or whatever, like you pay into it as part of your right. state right. taxes, right? Like kind of thing. So it um, and then, uh, yeah, you apply for it, you fill out the forms and say, this is how much I make, 
blah, blah, blah. You know, this is what I'm going to take off. And here's the reason why, um, you know, for the birth of our daughter, we kind of just had to prove some very basic information, which is really just that like, yeah, she was in fact pregnant. And, you know, the, the OB, like, you know, we provided a birth certificate. So they were just like, oh yeah, she was actually born. Okay, great. Here you go. You know, that kind of thing. So the process overall was relatively simple, I suppose. Um, but it was a lot more um, logistical planning than I was yeah. ever kind of suspecting. Um, and again, as you mentioned in your standpoint, it's just like, like I'm the father. Like I don't even, like I don't have to worry about even just like you mentioned the physical recovery from childbirth, the added um, not only physical, but mental and emotional stress of, um, you know, postpartum issues and and breastfeeding and, and all of this type of stuff. Like I didn't have to like bring, um, you know, a breast pump to work with me, um, you know, and all of these types of things. So, um, so yeah, it just, um, it still to this day boggles my mind, um, that this is the way that it is, um, yeah. you know, in the United States, but, um, that's, that's pretty incredible. It, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like to me in your individual situation, you, you were able to get something that if not quite as extensive as the Canadian system was pretty darn good adding in yours plus Kelly's and so on but you had to scrape for every last little bit you know you had to take your 10 weeks here Kelly's 10 weeks here her six weeks here uh you know apply for one type of disability then apply for professional disability like you had to take every little piece rather than it being kind of one unified thing that everybody gets equally. And correct me if I'm wrong too, that what you were talking about is a, is a state only system. This 10 weeks of personal family leave that you each get to take is just in New York state. So there could be other American states that have a much worse system. Is that, is that fair? Correct. Yeah. The, the paid family leave is a state run, um, is a state run thing. So that is a New York state specific thing, which we kind of um, lucked into kind of in that, um, it just happened to be that the year my daughter was born was the first year of its uh, of the program. So wow. Um, so yeah, That's we really got um, we really got lucky there, and um, it brought me into kind of another aspect of of all of this, which I hadn't really considered um, because, like you were mentioning, your your wife basically has a year to yeah, you know, for lack we of a better, of, we think of it as a year yeah right exactly. i mean essentially right you know like you mentioned if you add up everything together um yeah. you know in order to um you know bond with your daughter to you know raise her you know all of that type of thing um but um we have close friends of ours who both live in the united states classmates of ours who have um a, a very young child that i mean essentially went to daycare at two months of age Wow. Right. Which I'm is sure there are so many American crazy. listeners listening to this who are like, yeah, of course, obviously. But to us, that's just wild, you know, like but it's just such correct a different me if I'm wrong, paradigm. But in, I mean, in in Canada, at least maybe in Ontario, I mean, daycares don't even take kids that small. No, I don't. They they don't. Right. I they mean, legitimately my, my don't was, take daycare. Yeah. They don't take them until they're, I don't know, nine months, like, you know, that type right. of thing, like, which is crazy. But, you know, yeah. to think about... um and um, I will admit that um, we also got very lucky, and I'm sure you'll hear gratitude from the both of us, you know, ad nauseum on this podcast, because we are realistically very lucky in a lot of different ways. Um, but specifically in this case, you know, my mother-in-law, who is our basically our primary caregiver, lives around the corner. Um, so we basically have grandma ready right. to look after our daughter um, 
you know, now that we're both at work and like all this type of stuff. So we didn't even have the stress of having to think about a daycare or a babysitter um, or anything like that um, because we had grandma basically ready to go who was already retired and basically already chomping at the bit to be grandma. So she was like ready to go. Um, so, I mean, even that aspect, we haven't even had to work through uh, yet. Um, yeah. And which is another kind of mind boggling thing that I think about. Um, it really is incredible. I mean, on, on the, on the grandmother issue, I'll say briefly, I, you know, I had mentioned earlier in this episode, how the, the experience in my residency changed my perspective on family a little bit, but, uh, certainly the perspective of fatherhood has definitely changed my perspective as well on the value of, uh, having a close extended family as a support network. Um, something that I'm sure you see quite a lot with your mother-in-law. It's really, it, it can be, I mean, I know it's not all sunshine and roses and everybody's families. Are, are a bit different, but overall that having that emotional, but also tangible, practical support um, of family members can be quite helpful um, through the maternity process. It really does take I, a village. Uh, yeah, it does. It really does. I, um, you know, I, I'd mentioned, um, you know, this isn't political. We'll try to stay out of politics, although it is hard to comment on maternity leave without in some way um, being a little bit political about it because of all of the inputs that go into it. I will say, I, I mean, all I'll say before I, you know, my, my last word on it, I'll say is that I, um, I think motherhood is an incredible full-time job that does not get nearly enough credit. Um, I, I don't know how it's not seen as a full-time job. My wife works way more than eight hours a day. Um, and, you know, and, and the amount of work and effort that goes into it, not just for young children, but, but of all ages. Um, and I think as a society, we set humans up for success and thus make a better, more functional society when they have, are able to form close bonds with their parents uh, because their parents are allowed that time. And I understand it's a huge financial commitment on a societal level, um, which is a different topic for a different day. Um, but I think it's, I think maternity leave is a really critically important thing. And I think motherhood is a really critically important job. Well, That's and even just to, say. even just to, to, to hop on that train with you, if I may, it's just, I mean, I'm Chris, I'm sure you can, can appreciate like the days that you don't go to work, you are just as, if not more exhausted <laughs> yeah, with seriously. the days that you've sent well, that you've spent at home. Like on my uh, days absolutely. where I am not at work, I am arguably, I drink more coffee on my days off with my daughter than I do on the days that I go to work being a doctor. Um, and it's it may, may, maybe the years of experience of being a medical professional make it a little more intuitive. So I don't technically work as hard. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I mean, like you mentioned, like it is remarkable the amount of work that mothers put in on uh, at, at, at all hours of the day, um, you know, let alone, um, a, a separate career. Um, and you know, however you choose to go about this. Um, and of course they're like, as we've mentioned in a lot of different topics, you know, everybody has a different output, different outlook and different, you know, way that they do things. And those are all great. You know, we're not here to tell anybody how to do anything, oh, yeah, totally. of course. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting and because and, I mean, there are other countries in the world um, of which I believe Italy is one, but I'm not going to say that with confidence. But I mean, at maternity leave in some of those European countries, it's like two years, mm. right? They're just mm. like, yep, two years. Here's your money. We'll see you later. Yeah. Like, you know, go be a mom. 
one of the things that I find so interesting about this all, I mean, without, without uh, falling down the rabbit hole, is that I, um, you know, I have quite a lot of family, as, as you know, in Europe that we visit and talk to as often as we can. And it is so interesting from Europe to Canada and from Canada to America, the, gra- the, the change in paradigm on so many different political topics. And when I say paradigm, I mean the idea that something is just so obvious. You know, in Europe, of course, maternity, maternity leave is two years. Of course. It's not a debate. It's not a discussion. Of course it is. In Canada, of course, maternity leave is a year. Of course it is. It's not a discussion. You know, so and then in America, it's still a debate. It's still a discussion. You know, and there, it's so interesting that as you change from place to place and long-held belief to long-held belief that you have uh, such a change in whether something is even is still a discussion or not you know whether something is is uh, up for debate um you know I, I would imagine if you said to any canadian that two years of maternity leave they'd say that's ridiculous but then you talk to our relatives in europe and they say yeah i mean I'll, of course it is why wouldn't it be that way and it's very interesting just to see how you know, how commonplace it is in the places that it exists. Well, you and I have had many a discussion, both uh, pre-podcast and on the podcast, about um, just the um, the role of society in supporting its members so that they can then um, contribute as much to the society as possible, right? And And it's one of those things where in the... Um, you know, for maternity leave, as an example, um, you know, it's one of those where just like, yeah, it makes, it makes perfect sense to invest heavily in the beginnings. I mean, literally the foundations, right. Of, of, uh, of a life of not only a life, but, um, you know, uh, the beginnings of, of, of parenthood and the beginnings of families. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that's, a financial commitment via society that doesn't nest that you don't ever know if you're going to see any benefit from that. And yeah. so then, you know, society, um, you know, again, not that we're, we're certainly not trying to make this political, but again, you know, it's not, you know, then the government is going to say, well, where's the guarantee that these people that we support are ever going to support us in return? And I guess there isn't one. Um, but it's one of those kind of thought processes, like you said, with the paradigm, like it seems so obvious to build the foundation that then just makes your infrastructure better in the long run. But at the end of the day, I mean, let's be real. I'm going to steal a line from a podcast that I, that I listen to all the time. Uh, Dan, Le- Dan Lebetard's sto- uh, show was to Um, but they always joke about sports um, in that it's just like, it's really just how fast they can back the money truck up. Right. Like that's, <laughs> right. that's right. what it comes down to. Um, which I mean, you know, I can't necessarily sit here and argue and say that, um, you know, as a, um, you know, as somebody who grew up in Canada, you know, it made sense that I was just like, yeah, I mean, in, in Canada or at least in Ontario, yeah, we pay more tax than we do here in New York state. You know, I pay less income tax than I did before. I pay less sales tax than I did before, but my wife's maternity leave was also like six to eight weeks. Right. So it's kind of one of those, like, you know, yeah. It's you know, a, it's, you take the trade off that you get. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I can't necessarily um, say that I don't, what's the word I'm looking for here? I can potentially see the thought process for maybe somebody who doesn't want children who is like, well, why would I have to pay more so that someone else can have a kid? Yeah. You know, I don't, I, 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 I guess that's a, that's a fair question to, yeah. 
yeah. to somebody to I mean, have. I'm, but... I'm sympathetic to the argument. I mean, I'm sure you and I are both pretty moderate just for anybody listening. We're, we're, we're pretty, I, I mean, maybe moderate by Canadian standards, but we're, we're pretty yeah, moderate. Canadian I, moderate. Yeah. I mean, for, for myself, um, you know, be, because of, of what we do for a living in the situation we've put ourselves in financially, we'll end up paying out a far greater amount in taxes that go towards maternity than I think the amount that we would receive. I mean, maybe not by the time we've had four children, that might not be true anymore, but you know, certainly at this stage in our lives, um, you know, and I, to me, I just see it as, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say it this way, but I, I would rather that my next door neighbor, uh, let me phrase it a different way. If I get rushed to the hospital, I would rather that the nurse who is prepping me for my emergency appendectomy is not six weeks back on the job after having just given a child. She needs time to recover and recuperate. Um, I would rather that the child that my daughter goes to school with be a child who has an opportunity to be close with their mother and have a close family life. I, I feel like the world around me is better when all the people around me have been given the opportunity to become, uh, have been given the opportunity to have maternity benefits to allow them to be in that critical first year of life of their child really heavily invested. And I think the positive consequences that come from that are immense. And I think the consequences to you as an individual who doesn't necessarily even have a child is better. I think every aspect of society that you interact with is made better when you just treat humans I don't even want to say fairly, but I do think it is fairly. I mean, just to, to allow humans to have an opportunity to recover from one of the single biggest traumatic medical events that you can go through and raise a child, which, as I've said before already in this episode, is in itself an incredibly important job and has such incredibly long knock-on consequences of, of being an invested parent. And I think maternity benefits help that. Um, I now realize I've strayed very far from when I said I wouldn't make this political. But uh, yeah, moms are important. And I'm glad that my taxes pay for that. I, I mean, I I don't really have anything to add on that because I think you just, you nailed it right on. Um, but um, if I can be the um, the evil Troy and evil Abed of this segment, um, it's that um, I think a lot of people will argue that that's just not profitable. Sure, sure. Right, which I, is I, not, and 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 I will and I will back up um, and say, as I can see in my mind, the mothers who might be listening to this being like, "How dare you say something like that, Chris?" I am in one hundred percent agreement with you that all of what you said is true, um, but I, but I mean, again, sometimes it's just kind of the way the way in which things are run in society and the people and uh, uh, entities um, who, who make those decisions, um, maybe they see things differently, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It really is. And I, I would definitely keep my mind open to those arguments. You know, I'm, I'm, I understand the financial commitment. I understand the balance. I mean, you, you know that for myself personally as a moderate, I'm, I'm not a huge believer in the expansion of government or in, you know, the expansion of taxes, the expansion of government spending. Um, but, but I think of all the things that we spend money on, um, I feel like this is an important one. But as you rightly say, you know, I think, I mean, you've, 
I know that you're just playing devil's advocate uh, in, in this situation. And I agree. I think it's important to consider those other perspectives because what if I was a person who had no interest in having a child or, or didn't have a child and was paying uh, much higher taxes that they could be spending on groceries instead um, for a program for someone else? And, and I understand these are, the, these are the debates of politics that have existed since democracy started and will continue to exist for thousands of years. And uh, I, I would definitely sympathetic to those debates. You know, I'm, I'm very interested interested to hear the flip side of it. And I, you know, you had mentioned the economic consequences 20 years down the road, say, uh, and I don't know what those would be on either side. Um, so my mind would be open to that. But, um, you know, I would say that my position before being a father was that maternity benefits are important. And I would say it's just 10 times strength in that, seeing what mothers go through. It's funny how, uh, and I know we talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, just like your perspective on things that have changed now that you have become uh, become a father. And this is a, a prime example, um, which is just, you know, which is that, that not like, I mean, we, um, well, I won't speak for you, Chris, but I know personally, like, I mean, you know, you hear of people having uh, children, you know, whether it's friends, colleagues, whatever, and they take some time off and then they come back. And, you know, when they come back, you kind of say like, hey, how are you? You know, how are things going? Um, you know, if you're just, you know, colleagues, it's like, okay, they're back at work now. Great. Or, you know, if they're friends, you know, you're keeping in touch and whatever, seeing cute baby photos on Instagram or whatever it is, but then you live it. And then your wife goes through it. And then your daughter is the direct, um, you know, recipient of those benefits, um, along with your wife. Um, and yeah, it just kind of reinforces, you know, the, the importance of it. Um, and just how, um, you know, crucial it is not only to, um, you know, healing, um, not only to development, um, but to a whole bunch of other, um, you know, things related to both mother and daughter. Um, and as dads, we just kind of get to, um, you know, we get to go along for the ride um, and 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 experience it all um, as well. So, um, you know, I think that's a good spot to kind of stop that because I'm sure we could just kind of keep going and going and going about how uh, amazing mothers are for what they do. Um, and I'm sure we will continue to do that on pretty much every episode of this podcast. Um, because let's face it, if we didn't, then our wives probably wouldn't let us do it. Um, but uh, no, I kid, I kid. Um, but we'll take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, uh, we'll close out the show. We'll do a quick uh, recurring segment. Chris, I think, has uh, has a good one coming up for us. Um, and then we'll kind of preview next episode. But uh, we'll take a quick break. Thanks for hanging with us. Um, this is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian, alongside my best friend and co-host, Chris. Um, and we'll be right back in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris, sitting here with my best friend, Christian. Um, and uh, we're, we've had another great week talking to you about fatherhood and some of those issues. Um, after delving fairly heavily into some of the more touchier subjects of fatherhood, that is maternity leave, um, we're going to lighten things up a tiny little bit with one of our recurring segments that you've heard before, a short one this week. This is our origin story. So as you know, Christian and I have known each other for uh, about a decade now, and we have spent a heck of a lot of time together. I mean, really and truly a heck of a lot of time together. And for some reason, we just have this kind of natural situation where we attract 
all all of the weirdest stories that either of us have ever gone through in our lives have somehow involved the other person. So uh, you've heard about how we met each other. You heard about our hospital room adventure. Um, and we're going to do just a very short and light one this week. Um, as you know, my best friend Christian is a Detroit Red Wings fan who are going through a tough time. And I am an Ottawa Senators fan who are going through a tough time. We're literally time. racing to the bottom. <laughs> we literally are racing to I the bottom. I don't know if you if you are noticing this, but like I get mad when my team wins and I get mad when the Ottawa Senators lose because I'm like, no, I want the number one overall pick. Not you. Yeah. It's so true. Um, I mean, we, we probably both remember a couple of years ago when um, Buffalo was in the, the sort of Jack Eichel draft um, that they were racing for a lottery pick. And they they were so frustrated with having good goalies that they would just trade them or dump them in the AHL as quickly as they could. Get him out of here. He's stopping pucks. We can't allow that. And I sometimes feel that way uh, a little bit. I mean, it's, we started the season with some optimism and, and it's been going downhill. But what that means is equidistant between the cities of Detroit and Ottawa is the, uh, the big smoke, Hogtown, Toronto, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So naturally, neither Christian and I are particularly big fans of the Leafs, as you can imagine. That's putting it lightly. <laughs> so uh, Christian and I, um, as we may have mentioned before, have played a lot of sports together. We, we play a lot of soccer together. And uh, living together, we played soccer in the summer together on the same team for, I think, three or four summers in a row <clears throat> and had a great time doing it. Um, and we played with uh, a mutual friend, a friend that I was introduced to through you, Christian, actually, um, who we won't mention, but uh, he knows who he is, who played soccer with us and uh, was kind enough to drive us to the game every time we had a, a game in the summertime. So unfortunately, this was right after work. So we'd get home from work at like, you know, six o'clock, maybe, you know, right on the dot. And uh, this gentleman would basically be right outside, almost waiting for us already, you know, and we didn't often have time to change uh, before we had to leave for the game. So the very first time I met this, this fine friend, um, someone who I, who I, I would consider a, a friend now and who we, we get along pretty well with, um, I said, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Chris. Um, I, I need to get naked in your back seat. I'm really sorry. So, um, playing on the radio at that time was Flo Rida's, uh, am I, am I saying this right, Christian? Blow my whistle. Is that right? Blow my whistle. As far as I am aware, that is the correct title of the song. Um, and I there's think no, I, there's no innuendo to that, right? They just mean literally like <laughs> blowing a, a whistle. Well, I figured we were on our way to soccer. So I figured it was just like, isn't a song about a referee? Yeah, I guess that's probably what it is. Yeah. yeah yellow card Flo, Flo Rida's, uh, yeah, he's, he's a Arsenal fan. Um, so we, uh, you know, we're, we're on our way and we're having a great time. So that's, that's when I met uh, our good friend on that same day, the Toronto Maple Leafs were engaged in one of the single most infamous games of their entire 21st century run. Um, when they were, a let's not spoil the ending playing their arch rival, the Boston Bruins in the first round of the Stanley cup playoffs. Now, since Christian and I were in high school, for me, middle school, for you, probably very early high school, uh, the Leafs had not made it to the second round of the playoffs. I mean, we're talking really historically bad for one of the greatest franchises, you know, in, in hockey history. Um, and we're playing. Can you just Boston. say that sentence again? <laughs> I know it sounds wrong, right? One of the most storied. Uh, franchises in hockey history had not made the second round of the playoffs since I was in middle school. It sounds so good. 
<laughs> so um, they had a commanding series lead against Boston. They were ready to waltz into the second round, but they lost a game. Boston brought it within a game. They lost another game. Boston tied it up, brings it to game seven. But the Toronto Maple Leafs, as you, me, and our mutual friend are go on, go on to win our soccer game, uh, we hear on the radio that the Leafs are winning, and again, I might get this slightly wrong, for nothing. They are, they just have a dominating, they're about to romp their way to the second round. So we get home, it's a beautiful day outside, we crack the window, we crack a couple beers, we're relaxing after soccer. Uh, I met what is now a, a good friend of mine, uh, someone at that time who I had not yet known, and all he knew of me was that I took my pants off in the back of his car. And uh, <laughs> we sat and we watched the third period of the Leafs game as Boston scored one and then scored two and then scored three. And in the end, had the single greatest hockey comeback I've ever seen in my entire life to destroy the Toronto Maple Leafs hopes of advancing to the second round, defeat them in game seven. Boston eliminates Toronto and to this day, Toronto has not returned the favor by eliminating Boston and still has a long way to go to win the Stanley Cup. And it was one of the greatest days of my hockey sportsdom ever, while our very good friend basically sat in the corner and cried. And I'm, the really like funny part about all of this too is so this particular friend of ours is a is has been a huge Leaf fan uh forever. And um, you know, I, I don't want to say that he, you know, drove because he drove a considerable distance, you know, from, you know, from his town to where we were living to come and play soccer with us. Right. Like, so he came, he drove probably a good 30, 40 minutes um, yeah. after work his own to meet us. Like you mentioned, go and play soccer. And I don't want to say that, like, I can't say for sure that he showed up that day with like, you know, just a little bit of swagger, you know, but <laughs> yeah. he might've, uh, that's at least yeah. how I picture it in my mind. Cause that what makes the story funnier. Um, and what I do remember is that when we were, at the game, we were avidly kind of keeping tabs on on the score, right? And then we mm -hmm. were driving home, and I remember, I think at that point, they had made it 4-1 or something like that. Like, it was, like, you know, still, you know, Leaf still in front, but, like, you know, still then it, the, the reality of, like, oh, crap, they could come back here was in play. And then, like you mentioned, we typically, like, got pizza and drank beer or whatever after. Um, but just remembering just remember because then he had to drive home after like his his soul has just been you know just literally like you know i'm just picturing like milan lucic just like taking it out <laughs> of his body and just like eating it or like brad marchand just like <laughs> spitting on it or something like that's what i'm just measuring and then he's got to drive home like i'm just picturing, I'm just like i can't even imagine what that drive home because i'm sure we probably cracked three more beers right and we're just like <laughs> yeah. like you know what i mean just like but uh that's got to be one of the saddest moments for any Leafs fans of the last 20 years, right? I mean, that's, I don't want to say hands down, but I have a hard time thinking of a sadder moment. That's pretty rough. I mean, it's still one that we bring up that still actively saddens our friends that are Leaf fans. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of that standpoint, like, that's the one we always have in our back pocket that we could be losing an argument and we could just be like, up 4-1 against Boston, though. And they're just like, damn it. Because like yeah. they've got nothing, you know. It's so true. Because they've got it's nothing. So, so, 
<laughs> and it makes us sound terrible. But then on the flip side, my team is currently, I believe, three thirteen and one. So I mean, I don't, I don't feel too terrible at the moment. Well, see, now I'm on the other side of that because as a as a Red Wing fan, I mean, I spent twenty five years straight in the playoffs, right? And so now yeah. all of a sudden, I'm down at, as a bottom feeder. Um, so I get I get it fed to me a lot that they're like, see, this is what it's like, and I'm just like. <laughs> What do you mean we don't have a Norris Trophy defenseman and the Selkie Award winner at right wing every year? What do you mean? <laughs> I thought that was natural. Yeah, I thought that's just always happened. What do you mean we don't just have the entire Swedish national team in our farm system? What do you mean? Oh, Nick Lidstrom. So good. So good. I mean, it's just a different planet. So anyway, good. this story is taking a bit of a turn, but um, basically yeah. the bottom line was a lighthearted story about how Christian and I used to play soccer in the summertime um get changed in the car and then relished in the sadness of Leafs fans. We've sucked. We're good. <laughs> but that's and, been uh, another uh, edition of Dad Joke <laughs> Loading. Um we could probably just keep going and saying Leafs suck over and over again. We could probably do a whole podcast about that. Um maybe we'll get some Leafs fans on and we can uh, yuck it up mm. a little bit one time. But yeah, um, my my wife, my mom, my dad, oof. all my other friends, literally everyone that I know. Leafs fan so just a very very quick story because I know we're trying to end the episode like for the fifth time um but uh when I moved here I'm obviously in Buffalo Sabre country now um and my next door neighbor found out I was Canadian the first thing he said to me was you're not a Leafs fan are you and I looked at him (laughs) and I was like I said the actual word I won on this podcast but I looked at him and I said f the Leafs and he was just like, we'll get along just fine. Um, and we've been great friends ever since. So, uh, but no, but that's been another edition of Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We really appreciate you hanging out with us during this time uh, while we chat about all things um, serious, goofy, lighthearted, um, you know, and all these types of things about life, sports, being fathers, you name it. Um, and so uh, we'll be back again next week with a couple of new topics, new recurring segments. Uh, as always, we want to throw out a couple of thank yous. Ryan, our producer, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for making us sound um, as good as we do. Um, our wives and daughters for really being the reason why we do this and those who allow us to do it. Uh, Michael Spicer, who you hear uh, throughout this podcast in audio form, michaelspicermusic.com, Michael Spicer composer on Instagram, um, and Vishal Murthy, uh, vet, veterinarian and cartoonist, a uh, great friend of ours, classmate who does a lot of our imaging, our logo, uh, and all that type of stuff. So we appreciate all of you, and we appreciate you, the listener, um, who has stuck it out with us. Um, so Chris, another episode in the books. Thank you, my friend. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all next week. This has been the Dad Joke Loading Podcast.